Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Jesus' name. Father, we love you today. Father, we love and we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity we have, Lord Jesus, together into your house one more time. And Father, we don't take it for granted, God. We acknowledge you, we praise you, and thank you for all your goodness, kindness you bestow upon us. We thank you. Have your way this day, Lord God. Touch us and on our minds, Lord God, our efforts, Lord God. For Father, we want to read and understand of you. We want to retain this word. Hide it in our heart, Lord God. We thank you for what you're going to do. Touch us, Lord God, each and every one of us, Lord God. Go with us throughout this day. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to just speak for a little while. Um, Concerning, I really don't have a title, um, so you can you can title it whatever you would wish. Um, but a, many years ago, the Isaiah said it like this: "Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and they shall." Bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Ever since the, the creation of man, God's purpose, his intention, his plan is to dwell with his creation. And it has always been. And we know since that plan was interrupted, it did not change the mind of God. And we have been taught and we've seen from our own personal experiences that things we have done that would frustrate us and we have said that um, maybe not with our lips but this has probably frustrated God or frustrated the mind of God. But I would say nothing is further from the truth because God loves his people We are the ones that go wrong. God's purpose remains the same, and that is to dwell with his creation, to love his creation, to have compassion and mercy. And we are the one that spiders off all the tracks, but God's purpose remains the same. So when the Bible says that the virgin's gonna be with a child, they're gonna bring forth a son, and they would call his name Emmanuel, that is the greatest promise ever given to humanity because this is not saying someone is just going to come be with you. God is saying, I myself is going to robe myself in this flesh that you live in and I will come and I will walk the same steps that you walk. So we know that he did that. 
And this time of year, Christmas being what it is anymore, um, it was just years ago. Years ago, it's just common. You just meet people. Uh, some people has different views, different customs, but it's just um, people just say Merry Christmas. It seems like we're getting a little bit further from that when people don't want to say Merry Christmas. Um, I know I went um, here recently. I will just jokingly say I was forced to go work in Miami. And um, they, you know, I, I joke with some, I'm, I'm hoping they took it okay, but I would go in a place in Miami and they would greet me in Spanish. And I, I, I would tell them, do I look Spanish? <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm not Spanish. But, um, and that's like... Um, Almost uh, America to me, we're just getting where um, less and less where people is comfortable to say Merry Christmas um, because of the focus. What it does, it centers around Jesus Christ and it brings that focus to Jesus Christ. And and what I've always said um, and believed, uh, no, we don't believe, believe that this is the Lord's birthday but there again, this is the world acknowledging to some sort of the birth of our God. So we would take advantage, and I hate to use the word advantage, but we would take advantage of this opportunity at this time of this year to do what we could and to say what we could and to acknowledge in the right way of the world that stops long enough to pause to say, Merry Christmas. And to some that would, um, I guess, maybe be offended at that or have been taught that that is wrong, that is not our goal to offend anybody or, or to have um, any kind of harsh word to anybody. What it is is just the celebration of our God. And our God came and walked among us. And, and that is what that we love. And that is what we celebrate and we would do that so many days a year. That's why that um, this is not a one-day event for us. We take and we celebrate him year-round because really and truly what God has given to us, we will fully never, ever comprehend until we get to the other side because we can stand and say, and it's just like when accidents happen and you just... I don't know, you just find yourself and you said, if I would have just stayed at home 15 seconds, this wouldn't have happened. And in some ways that may be true. And you find yourself thinking that you go through your day and you go to sleep, you go to bed, you pray, God, thank you for taking care of me. When we go to bed not realizing just what God prevented from happening that could have happened because you did leave on time. Everything went according to God's plan. That's why that the Bible instructs us, pastors instructs us to pray, to seek God's will. The song we sing, Cover Me, that's what we do when we pray. God, cover me with your anointing. Cover me with your blood, your blessings, your guidance, your instruction. 
because I dare not go out into the world and take the chance on my own because I may be 15 seconds too early or too late. I need you to go with me because when my head hits the pillow, I truly do not know just what you protected me from this day. So I do thank you for it. I do thank you for everything that you've done and for your kindness that you have given us and what you do. And I thank you for it. So at this time of the year, we do, we do pause. And it is like everything else. It's just the commercialization of Christmas has just went beyond imagination. But it is not about... And I understand it. I'm not casting stones at people that has to sell products for a living. I understand that. But you cannot let it get to the point that it's all about something else and not about the Lord. If we can keep that our focus, that this is about God and Him coming to this planet, then I believe that we can. if we keep that in focus and keep everything else secondary... Because it is a time when families do come together. They do appreciate one another in churches. They do come together as we do all year long. But just what God has given us in his mercy and in his grace that I thank him for. And at this time of year that we just see the old joke, I guess it's really true. People do get, I guess, a little bit kinder this time of year. Uh, just for the sake of what it is, Christmas. And, and regardless of ever how you feel about this time of year, um, I'm not for making it about Christmas. I'm for making it about our God and what he did and the sacrifice he did. And because what he did, because when you read in the Bible and you read about the end of this, and about the struggles that man faces, and the everybody, everybody. I remember. I don't think Brother Boyd was a pastor when he preached this message, but he had the thought in his message was this: Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, he preached from this pulpit here years and years ago, seeing everyone has a ministry. And what I have always tried to, what little bit I do, I have always tried to be a help in this point. That what I want to do is help us and help me right now to live. I have spoke a lot about the Old Testament and some in the New Testament, but my goal is to help us here right now and to be a help right now. Because when you read about everything God did, that's why that he says when you go pray, you're not praying to a God that does not understand what you're referring to. You're praying to a God that has walked in the flesh that you've walked in. So when you have a temptation and you have something that's drawing you or pulling you, you're praying to a God that fully understands what you're praying about. So it's, you know, it's been said so many times before, if you just go to someone and they may care less, and that's a crude way to put it, but they may care less what you're talking about. If you unburden yourself to them, 
you really do feel better. But when you flip that around and you go to God and pray, knowing that God really does care and understand what you're praying about, then you can take heart because you're praying and you're asking God to touch you and you realize that he really does understand and care what you're praying and asking about. So I thank him for that. I thank him for hearing and answering our prayers, for being a God at hand. And I just got a couple passages I just want to read from and uh, speak from. I want to speak from the 25th chapter on um, the parables. I'll just speak uh, the first one, the parable of the ten virgins. And I'll just read it. It's a little bit lengthy. And let's just read it. It's Matthew 25, um, 1 through 13. And, and let's just read it. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wives answered and saying, Not so, lest there be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, came and they went, and they that were ready went in, with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterwards, and afterwards came the other virgins, saying, "Lord, Lord, open to us." And he answered, saying, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh." Now, one thing we don't need to forget about this: this is a parable. It is something that is likened. And look what the very first verse says, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to. And I, I don't think that you should be trying, this is me, I don't think you should be trying to get too ironclad with parables. It is, Jesus is quoting this himself, and he said this is a parable, and it's likened to the kingdom of God. It's a parable, it's a truth, that we can get out of this. So he's telling them that here we are, the kingdom of heaven is going to be likened unto this. And he's telling them to do this. The Bible says there was five wise and five foolish. But the Bible says in this parable, they was all virgins. And the five that there was foolish um, they took no oil with them in their lamps, with their lamps rather. And he tells us in the eighth, the foolish said to the wise, give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out. 
Now, he tells them that literally give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out. So he said, this kingdom is going to be likened unto these, these ten virgins. They're going to be taking their lamps and there is a lot, really a lot when you read on this, of this story about how they took and they go down the path, they go into meat and they all got lamps and in the story where you read of, of the, the, bride, the bridesmaids and bride, uh, the bridesmaids, there's ten of them. So people said that's where the ten comes from. I don't know, it may. But all I'm saying, he's recorded here that there's ten virgins. So he's taken and they tell them, give, give us of your oil for our lamps are going, or our lamps are gone out. But they answered and said, not so, lest there be enough for us and you. Our lamps are gone out. Now what is to me, but here again, like I say, you need to be careful about how much you try to get out of this, so to speak, and make a truth. But to me, if a lamp is going out and it is went out, the thing of it is, is not to let the lamp go out because the oil won't light a lamp that's went out. So when they asked of the others to give us of your oil, number one, that can't be done. You can't give someone the oil. And we know in everything that you read in the Old Testament, the oil was the anointing or God's spirit. That, that hasn't changed. That is one thing that's been consistent in the Old Testament. So where they said... In other words, we would say it like this. You can't give someone the spirit of God. And when they said you give us of your spirit or give us of your anointing, only God can do that. Not so. We can't do that. Our lamps are gone out. So therefore they asked and the Bible says that they literally said um, they went into the marriage and now the door was shut but the point of it is these ever how you want to look at this these was virgins standing outside the door meaning these were chaste but they was outside the door now and they came and they said Lord Lord open unto uh, open to us and he answered verily I say unto you I know you not now the Bible makes it clear that the Bible says, if you have not the spirit of Christ, you are none of his. But in this, he said, this is likened unto the kingdom of heaven. So he says, I want my church to possess my spirit. And he is saying, in fact, we do know that where he says, if you have not the spirit of Christ, then you are none of his. The Bible tells us that plainly. But what gets me is the Lord makes reference to these virgins standing outside. And once the door, I've read where at the wedding party, literally when that physical door was shut, no one was allowed in. Now, if this was pertaining to that, I don't know. But that I do know. At these wedding parties, when everyone went in, that door was not opened again. But the, in this parable here, it says the door was shut, the virgins came. Now, whether they represent the church, 
I'll leave that up to you. But all I know is the Lord called them virgins that is a way I would put it that did not possess his spirit. Now they had no oil. The Bible says their flame they had let go out and they came and said, Lord, let us in. They was virgins, but they had no oil. They had no anointing and God had shut the door and says, I know you not. I know you not. And then he said, watch ye therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. They literally did not know when the bridegroom was gonna come. All they was told was to watch. And I think that is the major lesson of this parable. We are told to watch. God is going to return. And when he literally told us in the days of Noah, I believe that is the story. Because you read of what they was doing, there's nothing wrong what they was doing when you read in the Bible, marriage, giving in marriage. But they did it until the day that Noah entered into the ark. There was no preparation made for them. They just partied till the Lord come, basically is what happened. And just like this, they took, their lamps was burning, but they put no oil in their vessel to maintain their lamp, which allowed their lamp to go out. And when that happened, God said, I know you not. So they stand outside just like they was in the days of Noah, beating on the ark, said, Noah, let us in. It is raining. Now we know what you mean by rain because it is wetting the top of our head and they knocked on the door, Lord, let us in. And God said, I know you not. I know you not. Now, you can relate to that ever how you feel. This is a spiritual meaning to me. I know you not. He knew who they was, but not in the spiritual realm. They had no spiritual relationship with God. For he's telling them, I know you not. You did not have the oil to maintain the flame that was to be represented. For the Bible says that he tells them, so he says the watch. The Bible tells us also in Proverbs, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord or the light of the Lord. We know that. We know that. Now, I want to turn over, if you'll read uh, one more passage with me in uh, Hebrews in Hebrews, turn with me to the um, the tenth. Hebrews ten. The writer says, and we'll start in verse uh, fourteen. Hebrews ten fourteen. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he said before. This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. 
Now, the Bible tells us in 15, 10, 15, wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. Now, Peter tells us, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they was moved on by the Holy Ghost. Now, that is why he can say, for the Holy Ghost is a witness to us. Because in the old time, when the Holy Ghost moved on the men of the Old Testament, he just didn't, the Holy Ghost just didn't move on those that just at random. It said, holy men of God spake as the Holy Ghost anointed them to write. So that is how the Holy Ghost is a witness to us. Because the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God that we have, that is why we can go to the Old Testament and read and receive what God wants us to receive because it is a witness to, to us because it is the author of the Old Testament. We have the same author that authored the New Testament that authored the Old Testament. Therefore, it is a witness to us because the same one authored the entire book that we read. Therefore, it is a witness to us. And then he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them. And Jeremiah quoted this, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and, and will be their God and they shall be my people. And the Lord... And Psalm says it like this, the Lord remembered his covenant even to a thousand generations or 33,000 years, ever which one you want. The Lord remembers, the Lord remembers. The Bible tells us like this. In 18 it says, now where remission of these is, where he says, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now where the remission of these is, there is no more offering for sins. We are the one that remembers. God does not. Sometimes we've just had to look at people and say, look, what you have to do is to forgive yourself. You said, but I've done so much. I've done, I've done this, I've done that. God tells us that he won't remember no more. We are the one that the enemy tricks us up and guilt trips us, says, you just, I can't believe you did that. And as horrible as it may be, God said, I will put your sins under the blood. I was the lamb. I am the lamb. And when I put your sins under the blood, he said it like this. Now, where the remission of these is, there is no more offering for sins. Other words, when I have forgiven you, there is no more need to ask forgiveness of it. You are forgiven. There is no more need for offering. Quit asking forgiveness for it. I have forgiven you. My blood has covered you and you are forgiven. And it, our mind, our mind is what wants to guilt trip us. And we just say, and I, I, just, I just can't forgive myself. And if times, if that is the truth, then we got to pray. We got to ask God, forgive me. Help me. Help me, God. Anoint me, anoint my mind, cover me, because God said he was doing. That's why he said, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, some things we just take it, I think, almost for granted because the Bible says that he was make us kings and priests, and we hear that, 
and we just, that's just part of us. That's just part of church. But no other dispensation in the history of the world has that ever been said to other than us. No other dispensation. Nobody has that been said of but of this dispensation. And where it says, by having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, God said, I would let you come into my presence literally because I have forgiven you into the holiest. No other dispensation has been allowed to do that because literally, and I have truly said, what must it have been like when the veil of the temple was rent and Israel could walk by and look into the Holy of Holies, that which they have never ever had been allowed to do. And I believe, I believe that we, and when we come in, and I believe the grace that God has given us, and just when we see the amount that God has given us, sometimes I don't know if we can ever truly comprehend it, but this I do know. God said, you must have the boldness. You must recognize I have forgiven you, and you must have the boldness to come in, ask forgiveness, and not be ashamed to come into my presence because I have given you the authority by the blood of Jesus Christ that he's done. He's consecrated us. We have a high priest over the house of God. That's why I've said and that's why I believe and love when we come in here, when we pray, when we come to church, this is not studying. This is not coming in and just acknowledging a God that doesn't have a clue of what we're going through. He does know and he does understand and he does comprehend what we're going through. And, he, you know, we get this thing that nobody understands or nobody can comprehend. That's just not true. God does know and he knows everything and understands just where we're at and what we are going through. And there's no area in life, no area in life that we could ever find ourselves in that God cannot help us in. And that is the one true really true thing that, that, that we can't find nowhere else and it's just that we truly the most unbelievable thing about this is just we, we can come in and truly know there's a God that hears and understands knows where I'm at knows what I've been through and it's not just you may have the closest friend in the world that understands you, sees you, knows every detail about you, but they really don't. They really don't. But you can come in or you can be at home in your closet and you can pray to a God that truly, truly, truly knows just what you're like. All your faults, your failures, your strengths, your weaknesses, just what you were like. And just if you struggle, if you just hadn't maintained or you hadn't got to the point that you want to, God knows and he will help and he will help get us there. Because as, as it's just been said, is one thing that's always amazed me is just the precision that's in this life. When we look, when we go outside, you go outside at night. And just look up. If it's clear, just look up in the stars. 
And where the Bible says, not only did he number them, but he named them. And you just look up just what our eyes can behold and just what we see and think, they're, they're not only numbered. And these people trying to sell you a star and put your name to it. I almost want to call and tell them, buddy, they're already named. And God's already named them. And just the precision they are. And it's just, everything is done so precise, so order. And it's just, God is not lacking in nothing. And when it comes to his people, and it tells us in scripture that concerning God is even with the animals and with what is put on earth and his humanity. And it's just as complex as we would say as the human body is. And it's just what, it's, what the human body is, its functions. And it's just to say that this body just evolved over time. You know, what does God really think about that? You know, but to truly stand and say, God, I don't know how all of this works. I don't know how my hands could even move like that or my mind could comprehend or think. But I know how the psalmist could say, he could look up and say, God, when I consider this, boy, I am nothing in your sight. And to think that you would take time and care about us and that you would make yourself a body and come to this planet earth and avail yourself and go through what you went through to all to leave us an example of everything that you went through and to give us a role model to follow and to have everything placed and done, the precision of everything. It is just God has did it and he has never left nothing out and we, we see and I'll just leave you with this. If just a few things that I just, I have. Um, the New Jerusalem, John, in his writings, he said, I, John, saw the New Jerusalem coming down, coming down. The city was pure gold. The Bible tells us the walls of that city are 216 feet thick. It's approximately 1,500 miles square in um, length, breadth, and height. And the Bible speaks of 12 floors or 12 foundations, rather. Um, if you would think about that, that would put the floors um, 125 miles apart. And then this is what one man did. If you would divide the rooms into square miles that would give you 3,375,000,000 rooms. Now, if you spent one day in each room from the time of Adam until now, you would have visited 52,560,000, which you would still have 3,322,400,000 rooms left. So in other words, when God does something, as the old saying, I used to go to some races and I had a 
a word for it. You was touching elbows, meaning it was that crowded. In heaven, you're not going to be touching elbows. <laughs> there is going to be plenty of room. There is going to be a place that I don't, I don't really think that, I'm not saying like Paul, he, the Bible says that he had these visions, but I believe it's a place that we'll never ever fully, I know we won't fully comprehend it, but the Bible does say that this is a walk by faith, and I believe God has designed it that way. He might give us, some people, a glimpse of some sort, but I believe it's purposely withheld for this reason. How much do you love me? Do you love me enough to trust my word? I have given you everything that you need in my word. I have told you about this city. I have given you example after example. And I've told you I will come again and receive you unto myself. Now for him just to say any more, this is a walk by faith. And for him to just give us every detail, every picture, no, he's not going to do that. It is a walk by faith. But God has given us literally everything we need. And he has given us his spirit. He's given us his word. That is why the Holy Ghost is a witness to us. Because the same spirit we have authored this word. That's why that we can take this word and hide ourselves and let this word speak to us. So at times that when we really, really need a word from God, you know, like Job even said, in other words, God, where are you at? I'm searching, I'm searching. I guess sometimes we do that. But we have the advantage now of his word. We can take and hide ourselves and we can pray and we can read we can come to church we can listen to what the pastor says across the pulpit then we can go home and then we can take this word and we can hide it in our heart because God has ways of speaking to us and I don't believe for one minute that one of his saints as the Bible says, one of his children can need something and God just let them, as we would say, just hang them out. I don't believe that would happen. God might have a purpose of letting us search and dig for a purpose. But there again, just letting us go and go and go and search and dig and never have an answer, never just, that leads to frustration but God knows us. He knows our heart. He knows our motive. He knows if we are diligently searching after him, then he won't do that. He will give us an answer. He will help us. And he will be the light that we need. And as this world gets darker, he's going to get brighter. And I thank him for it. So at this time of the year, it being the month of December at Christmas, Ever what Christmas may mean to you, what it means to us is that we celebrate our God. 
who has did so much for us and he's done so much that we never know. And I'll say it one more time, that when our head hits a pillow, we don't really know just what God kept us from because I thank him for everything he's done and I thank him for what he's done that I know not of. I really do appreciate it. Hallelujah. Let's stand. God bless you. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.